Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. How many of you want to dance to that? That makes me want to dance. You don't want to see me dance, but it makes me want to dance. Good morning. My name is Pastor Ashley Wilkerson, and I'm so, so, so glad that you're here with us at Church for All Nations, 9 a.m. We are in the middle of starting this new series that you just saw on the screens called Better. Better. Everybody say better. And I love that graphic. When I was working with our amazing video editors, I, we had this idea of having something that was very plain, very ordinary, and the idea that when we allow the Holy Spirit into our lives, that He drops these elements of color and beauty and vibrance into every single facet. And so that's what we're going to be talking about in this series. We're going to be talking about better thinking, better finances, better prayer, better power. Say amen. Amen. Today, we are talking about better relationships. Better relationships. And we're going to be going to our anchor verse every single week, which is found in John 10. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me or it'll be on the screens Looking at John 10, starting in verse 10, Scripture says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. This is Jesus talking. And then Jesus says, I, say I, I. have come that they, do you know who they is? Us. That they may have life, but not just life. Not just ordinary, plain, boring life. I've come that they have life and have it to the full. Some versions say life abundantly, which means bigger life, life that's better than just ordinary life, life to the fullest. How many parents do we have here this morning? Anybody nanny? Any any nannies, sitters out there? Yes, you will all relate to this. My son, his name is Fulton, and he's four years old. And for Christmas, he got this awesome Hot Wheels track. And if you know anything about Hot Wheels, not only uh, are they little demon cars... that you slide on in the middle of the night in the hallway because they're impossible to see and then you're kind of, you know, getting old and it's a a slippery slope for many reasons. But now the Hot Wheels have these tracks that are super easy to snap together and they have the little blue kind of uh, connectors and so you can interchange so many of them. He was super excited. He got this new Hot Wheels track for Christmas. And it came with instructions, instructions, but my son is not interested in the instructions. He's also not interested in my reading of the instructions to them to help him understand how to put it together. No, I do it, mommy. I do it. So he put this beautiful Hot Wheels track together the way he wanted to. Not the way that it was created to be fashioned. And then what's happened? Well, every time he played with it, because he did play with it, 
Every time he played with it, the cars wouldn't stay on the track and the track wouldn't stay connected and no part of it operated as it was intended to. Last week, I walked by our playroom and we have this habit in our family that you're not allowed to get a new toy until you gift an, an old toy, right? To the thrift store, that sort of thing. And, and we have this one bag that we fill with the toys that are going away. And I looked and his brand new Hot Wheels racetrack was in that bag. Son, what, what are you doing? This is your brand new track you just got at Christmas. I don't want it anymore, mommy. It's not working. And I thought, how many of us do that? In our relationships. Right, we're talking about relationships today. How many of us don't bother with the instructions that God's given us concerning relationships? You do understand that we serve a relational God who has not only created us for a relationship, he's created us in his image and every aspect of who he is, everything that he desires from us has everything to do with relationships. And yet what we do is we do relationships our way. And then when they don't operate properly, we decide we don't want them anymore. So today, it's important that we pay attention to what scripture, what instructions say about relationships. Because not only does God love relationships and he desires for us to do relationships well, the enemy despises relationships. Let me tell you why. Because the second we become unified, in friendships, the second we become unified in our marriages, the second we become unified in our families, we have exponential power. The scriptures are clear that if one can put a thousand to flight, if two are unified, 10,000. So the enemy doesn't want you to do relationships right, but relationships matter. Amen? Relationships matter. And if there's anything that qualifies me this morning to stand before you and talk about relationships, it's that I know a lot of what not to do. A lot of what not to do. I know some of you, because Pastor JF and I are pastors and we hold microphones, you assume that we have it all together. Let me tell you, we're still a work in progress, amen? We're better than we were last year, but we are not as good as we will be next year in Jesus' name. But maybe you're like us, and maybe just in talking about those romantic relationships, marriages in particular, maybe you have date nights like this occasionally, just maybe, or maybe it's just us. If that's the case, pray for us. If and when that one time out of the year that the cosmos aligns and we get a legitimate date night and we're able to solidify a sitter that only costs, you know, one mortgage payment on our home. 
because we don't have family in the area. Anybody know my pain? Right. Then what happens is some form of this scenario. I have, and baby, I, I'm preaching this one, so I might throw you under the bus just a little, just a little. I have meal prepped for our children. I'm that mom, you know, I, this is a thing I take pride in. So I've meal prepped, I've already printed out every detail of the instructions for bedtime for the children. You think I'm joking, I will post these pictures. And I have put them on the cabinet, everything is color coded and ready to go. The sitter shows up and my husband is already in the car. I haven't washed my face yet. I haven't put, so what, what happens at this point is I'm trying to walk through these instructions with the sitter and he dare not honk because my husband wouldn't do that, but he does start texting me from the car. Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go. Let's go. Why'd you have the sitter be here if you aren't ready? Da, 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 da. I am telling her how to take care of our children. Come on. And if I didn't have to text you back, I'd be ready five minutes earlier. True? I finally get all my flock on, right? And my foo-foo. Yes. I'm ready, I managed to get down to the car, and there is the infamous question that always reigns supreme in our marriage. What do you want to eat? <laughs> well, wait, so you didn't have like a plan? No, 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 what do you want to eat, baby? I, I will, this is JF talking. I will, whatever you want, I don't care. Oh, okay, that sounds great. Uh, sushi. Let's do sushi. I love sushi. I always want sushi. How about sushi? Ah, oh, you don't want sushi. <laughs> really? Okay, well, that's good to know because I really thought I did. Okay, okay. So, baby, what, what do you want? Oh, you know, whatever. Anything's good. Okay. Um, all right, how about Mexican? Ah, oh, I had Mexican for lunch. Okay. Let's, let's play this game. Anybody do this? It's, it's this whole psychological like negotiating. Then you play the game of, well, you give me three choices and I'll pick one of those. He won't even play that game. No, 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 you pick, you pick. <laughs> to the point where at this, at this time, my husband is driving toward nothing. There are no restaurants in the area where he's driving. And we're both so frustrated, he pulls over and says, I'm not moving the car until you tell me where we're going. <laughs> Your pastors. Your pastors. Inevitably, the night ends with a romantic stroll, not speaking on different aisles of Target. Anybody been there? Yes. Yes. Those of you that are not married, just wait. <laughs> Relationships matter. They matter, you guys, all throughout Scripture. In fact, Jesus himself, when he was asked, look with me in Matthew 22. When Jesus was asked, teacher, what's the greatest command in all of the law? 
Jesus said, well, actually, it's not just one, it's two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Verse 38, this is the first and greatest command, and the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. These two commands. The reason we started with relationships is because all of the law hangs on whether you are able to love your neighbor or not. In fact, the only thing that will keep the Lord from being able to forgive you is how you interact with your neighbor. Scripture says that if you don't forgive, he wants to still forgive you, but he cannot. So relationships matter. And this morning we're going to talk about three areas. Three areas that whether you're married or not, whether you have children or not, whether you even have friends or not. Three areas that we all need to work on to get relationships to that better place of life to the full. Everybody say full. The first one is be aware of your selfishness. Selfishness. I hope you don't have open toe shoes on because I might step on them. Actually, it's not me. It's just going to be scripture this morning. Just scripture. And I totally have to do this. And for those of you that don't watch Saturday Night Live, forgive me because you won't understand. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Wow, tough crowd. And I just went all in and you guys just stared at me. That is painful. I'm going to have Will cut that one out of the podcast. All right. What is love? Your answer to this question means everything. It has everything to do with the way you look at friendships, with the way you look at your family, the way you look at any sort of romantic relationship. What is love? And a better question is who do you allow to define what love is? Because most of us, whether we admit it or not, have allowed Hollywood to define for us what love can be, should be, would be. And in reality, Hollywood has it all wrong. Hollywood tells us that being in love, loving someone, has only everything to do with how you make me feel. And the second you stop making me feel the way I want to feel, we are no longer in love. And that is not at all what Scripture says. In fact, Scripture says just the opposite. Let's go directly to Scripture. You know where I'm going. 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 4. This is that Scripture that's read at every single wedding, and yet people don't really care to attain it after that service. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. 
It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Ow. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Let's go through those. Because most of us skim through that and we don't recognize the simple fact that there's not one part of that scripture that has to do with an emotion. There's not one part of that scripture that has to do with butterflies. There's not one part of that scripture that has to do with even a feeling. They are all choices. They are all decisions that one makes. And let's think through it. Love is patient. Even when that friend, even when that spouse, even when that family member pushes that one button that is so painful every single time, love chooses to be patient. Love is kind. Love is kind even when that person says the one thing that is the most painful to you ever. Love is kind anyway. Love does not envy because love understands when your people win, you win. Amen. Amen? Love doesn't boast even when Google proves you right. Oh, you guys aren't that couple. Sorry. It is not proud. It's willing to admit when you're wrong. It does not dishonor even when honor might not be deserved. It is not selfish, even though it is 100% our nature to be so. It is not easily angered, even in high frustrating moments. It keeps no record of wrongs. But wait, what if we're in the middle of a fight and I need to list those? No record of wrongs. It doesn't delight in evil. It rejoices in truth. It always protects, trusts, and hopes. It never quits. It never quits. It never quits. Now, you got to understand this morning, I'm not talking about abusive relationships. I'm talking about love. I'm not talking about those walking through infidelity, those sorts of things. I'm talking about love. I'm gonna save someone's marriage right now by revealing the truth. For me, this was a game changer. We had amazing mentors when we first got married in Los Angeles, and I'll never forget, they co-pastored together. It was one of the first couples we'd ever seen do that, and we watched in awe, and we thought, man, if God could do that with us. But I remember they stood on stage one Sunday when they talked about marriage, and she said something I've never heard a pastor say before. And for me, it has helped in every single marriage counseling session we've ever led. And she said this. She said, if you have never woken up thinking, oh my gosh, I married the wrong person, then you haven't been married for very long. Because that is just how hard marriage is. That's just how hard relationships are. And some of you, if you are single right now and God has marriage in store for you, I want to release you from this idea that it will always be perfect and that you will never be attracted to anyone else the second you say, I do. People don't talk about that enough so that when it happens, they go, oh, then I must have married the wrong person. 
I must be it. I remember one of my best friends from college got married in college, got divorced not long after, and then got remarried. And I remember the second week of her remarriage, she called me crying and I said, what is going on? And she said, I thought it was him, but it's just marriage. It's just that marriage is this hard. And you see, I thought I just married the wrong person. But marriage is just this hard. Oh, you guys, I can stay on this for forever. Don't mistake chemistry for attraction. Chemistry and attraction for love. Those are two very different things. And this, and this is in friendships too. This is in friendships too. You need to be aware of what draws you to another person. Because some of you have friends because you both love to gossip. Be aware of what draws you to other people, right? Some of you have certain friends, you're drawn to certain people because you both have those character flaws that draw to each other. And when they do it too, it makes you feel better about doing it. You got to be aware. You got to be able to recognize what is love and what is attraction. Gosh, be aware of your selfishness. The second area, so we have be aware of our selfishness. This is in friendships. This is in your family relationships. This is in your romantic relationships. And the second one is be aware of your sharing. Everyone say sharing. Be aware of your sharing. This one was a game changer for me. You see, I grew up in church. I was there every time the church doors opened. My parents started the church I grew up in, but they were not pastors. They were just church planters, and they were the lay people. They were the dream team people that just made the deal happen. So we were at church every single time the doors were open. And I remember this phrase that especially in youth group, Eric and Jordan, I would always hear this phrase because it was so important. Every youth pastor would always tell me, Ashley, guard your heart. Guard your heart. And it comes right out of Proverbs 4. It says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Well, that sounds like kind of a big deal, doesn't it? Hello, if every part of my whole life flows from my heart, and it's a big deal, then I need to guard it. And so I remember even as a child going up to the youth pastors after and saying, look, I want to guard my heart. How do I do it? And they would all say, well, just guard your heart. <laughs> okay, that's, that's great, but, but how do I do it? Well, you guard your heart. You just guard your heart. And I'm thinking, okay, like with armor or no. You see, and I've taught this over and over and over, especially at our women's Bible studies, but I'll teach it till the day I die because it is a game changer. When scripture talks about your heart, it is not talking about just your emotions. In fact, in the original language, it, it has everything to do with the seat of your thinking your will, and your emotions. That's what your heart is. So when you are a single person, hear me single people, in friendships or romantic relationships, and you know what? We have to be cautious about this in our family relationships too. To guard your heart means that you don't share all of your thinking. 
you don't share all of your emotions and you don't share all of your plans with someone until they have truly earned your trust. That's a big deal. It is a huge deal. In fact, Jesus says that sometimes when you do this, when you actually share too much with someone too fast before they've earned the trust from you, look at how Jesus describes it in Matthew 7, verse 6. He said, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. How many of you have been there? That friend that you shared way too much with, that he or she hadn't earned your trust yet, and you, you shared those hopes and dreams and things that you've been praying about, and they turned and not only trampled them, but tore you to pieces in the process. Jeff and I have been there by friends that we thought were in it with us, and they weren't. You have to be cautious and careful about your sharing. That's what it looks like in single life. Let's talk about what it looks like in married life to be aware of your sharing. Ephesians 5.31 says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. The two will become, say it, one flesh. What does that mean? You no longer have two hearts to guard. You have one heart the heart of your marriage. Amen. You are now still required to guard your heart, but it's not Ashley's heart and JF's heart. It is the heart of our marriage that we are now required to guard. What does that mean? That means that you are vehemently conscious of what you share with people outside of your marriage all the time. I got this wrong horribly in the beginning of our marriage. When we first got married, guess what? He's amazing, but he ain't perfect. Well, neither am I. And I had left my job in Nashville. I had moved to Miami where his family was, his friends, his job. I was in a massive identity crisis. And guess what? Anytime he said or did anything to me that wasn't perfect, guess what I did? call my mama. I'm telling you, this is going to save somebody's marriage. I called my mama and just told her everything he did. Can you even believe it? And then I didn't understand why when Thanksgiving rolled around, he didn't want to come to my mom and dad's house. My fault. Why? Because I wasn't guarding my marriage. I wasn't guarding the heart of my marriage. Somebody needs to hear this because in that moment when your marriage is having those issues and the guy in the cubicle two, two blocks down, right, he understands you so much better. He's a better listener. No, 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 no. That is a lie from the enemy. You are to guard the heart of your marriage. Because everything the two of you do flows from it. You have to be aware of the sharing. Did you know that in Scripture, when Scripture talks about marriage, it uses military terms? Even in Proverbs 31, where it talks about 
the husband having full confidence in the wife. That picture there is a military picture where the husband and wife are back to back, weapons drawn. And he has full confidence, meaning he can move anywhere God calls him because he knows she has his back. Every move. And he has hers. Be aware of the selfishness. Be aware of the sharing. And as the band comes back, the last one is be aware of your source. Be aware of your source. I told you about my son Fulton. He's four, but I also have a daughter, Israel. She's seven, and she's amazing. And uh, I've, I've told this to the women's Bible study before, <laughs> but um, my kids were bedwetters. Okay, and they got it from their mom. Sorry, yeah, I, I was that kid. And, but now we have all of these amazing, like super absorbent nighttime diaper whatevers. And Israel has blown through that stage, which is beautiful and awesome. And Fulton is kind of hit or miss, right? Depending on how much almond milk he drinks before bed. I know, maybe that's TMI. But not too long ago, it was a few months back, I'd gotten home pretty late from an event or something, and I went to open the fridge, and I grabbed the almond milk that Fulton requires before bed, and when I lifted it, I realized, guess what? It's empty. Awesome. Awesome. Fred Meyer was about to close, and so I rushed, and I realized not only were we out of almond milk, we were out of diapers, too, and they're like $8 million for these thick ones, but... And so I, I tell JF, okay, I'm rushing to go get the milk and the diapers. I'll be right back. Da, 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 da. Okay, and then as I'm running out the door, Izzy says, Mommy, I want to go with you. Okay, 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 okay. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Get in the car. Let's go. And we get to Fred Meyer. I'm rushing. I'm grabbing the diapers, grabbing the milk. There's a couple other things I needed. Get there right this minutes before they're closing, you know, and the cash register ladies. She's already kind of annoyed, you know, because I'm that customer. And so we go to check out, and I look, and I realize I forgot my wallet. Uh, awesome. And I look down, and my daughter Israel has her purse on her. And if you know anything about Izzy, my Izzy is a saver because her love language is gifts. So she loves, loves, loves to save. And yes, I was that mom while everyone watched. And I bent down and I said, baby, what you got in your purse? <laughs> she said, oh, mommy, let me look. Yeah, I got, I got my piggy bank money, right? And she pulls her little change purse out of her pocketbook and she hands it to me and she says, Mommy, you can have all of it. Everything I have to give, take it. It's yours. I'm so happy to give it. And so I counted through and it was enough for me to get the milk. And so I thanked her. I told the lady at the register, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to wait on these other items. We'll just take the milk tonight. Thank you so much. Good night. And we started walking out. And she looked at me and she said, I don't understand, Mommy. I said, what do you mean? And she said, 
I gave you everything I had. Why couldn't we get everything you wanted? And I said, well, baby, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. I love that you gave me everything you had, but it wasn't enough for what mommy needed. And some of you here have people in your life that have been giving you everything they have. Everything in that friendship. Everything. Everything in that family relationship. They've been pouring out and pouring out and pouring out. And let me tell you something. It will never be enough. Because no human was ever meant to be your source. Ever. And the second you begin to understand that, you will be free to operate in relationships the way that God has called you to. That He, He alone is supposed to be your source. Look with me at Philippians 4, 19. Scripture says, my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of His glory. Not, not someone's purse that will never be enough according to His riches and His glory, everything that He's taken care of for you according to His glory. He wants to be your source. And I'm going to close with this explanation because the Holy Spirit wrecked me with it this week. A few months back, we had that series of storms that came through. And for the very first time that Fulton was old enough to kind of understand it, we lost power in our home. And I remember we laughed because we'd come home and he kept walking through and turning the lights on in each room and going, this light doesn't work either. This light doesn't work either. Mommy, what is going on? And I said, well, baby, all the electricity is out. And he said, ah, oh, the electricity is broken. And in that moment, I felt the Holy Spirit say, no, no, no. The source, the source is still sufficient. What is broken is your connection to the source. That source still had power flowing freely. What was broken, what needed repair was that connection. And I need for you to understand this morning that that's what Jesus took care of for you. And that every bit of everything that you need in every relationship is available through Jesus for you. All you have to do is reach out. Reach out and connect with Him. Be aware of your selfishness. Be aware of your sharing. And be aware of who your source really is. Bow your heads. I want to pray with you. If you're here today and maybe you're realizing for the very first time that your connection to the source, to our Heavenly Father, to the Lord who has provided through Jesus and the Holy Spirit everything that you need, maybe you're realizing that that connection has somehow been severed. Maybe there's been some sort of hiccup with that connection. Or maybe you've never been connected to him before, ever. Right now is your moment. 
Right now is your moment that he wants to reconnect with you. He's already done everything possible to make that happen. All you have to do is receive him. And if right now, if right now you want him as your source in every part of your life, at not only in relationships, but in all of your hopes and your dreams and taking your sin and your shame and living that life that is not only better, but it is fuller and it is bigger and it is including everything that he's called you to. If that's you right now, whether it's for the first time or you need to reconnect with him as your source, lift your hand on a count of three. One, two, three. Lift your hand. Yes, yes, yes. I see three, four, five, six. Yes. Seven, eight. Yes. Nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. Yes. 14. I see those hands. Yes, Lord, Lord, we thank you, God, right now, just in your own way, in your own way, whether you raised your hand or not, in your own way, tell him you want him to be your source. Say, God, I want to reconnect with you for the first time, God, or, or I want to reconnect with you, Lord, again, to make sure that I am not looking to a human to fill what only you can fill. Tell him, Lord, I want to live for you. Take my sin, take my shame, God. I want my whole life to be yours. We believe, and scripture says that all of heaven is rejoicing. And whether you feel different right now or not has no bearing over whether you are connected. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. If you have asked him, if you have repented, you are forgiven, perfectly forgiven from your Father in heaven. Maybe you're here this morning and you need prayer for a relationship. Maybe it's a friendship. Maybe you find that you don't even, all friendships are hard for you. Maybe it's just this idea of friendships. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's the fact that you want to be married one day and you're not. Maybe it's a family relationship that's in disarray and you want God to be ever more present in every part of all your relationships. If that's you, just lift your hand. I have my hand up. I want him so present in every single part of every relationship. Lord, we thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us instructions for exactly how to do this relationship thing. Lord, and that not only have you made us relational, but that you are relational with us. Lord, help us, Lord, with this selfish thing. God, help us to recognize what love really is and what you want it to be. God, we ask that you would just help us, Lord, with this sharing component. Help us not only to guard our hearts in friendships and relationships, Lord, but the hearts of our marriages. Help us to be so aware of that, God. And Lord, help us to always look only to you as our source, that our spouses, our friends can be partners, God. You've called them to be partners, but never sources. We thank you for it. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church. 